Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Black Men Unlearning. I am your co-host, Edwin Lee. And I'm your co-host, Kyle Brooks. All right. And Kyle, we are um, we're going to talk about the Deshaun Watson case today. Uh, it's been all over the news. It's if you're if you you know keep up with you know ESPN and um, the NFL's news is starting to rev up, like the the idea of what's actually going to happen to him in terms of his disciplinary situation has uh, been at the forefront of a lot of the discussion. So to get into it, I think it'll be good to to catch folks up if if uh, they're not familiar, and I think maybe also it's probably good to provide. Uh, a trigger warning here. Uh, the details of this case are uh, around sexual assault. And so please know that going forward, though we will not be speaking about the details of the allegations specifically as it were to uh, the the actual happenings in the case, most likely, uh, we will be discussing uh, sexual assault and uh, some of those issues. In, in terms of what has taken uh, place in this case, uh, Deshaun Watson faced over uh, two dozen ap- uh, accusations of sexual misconduct. Two grand juries in Texas declined to charge Watson criminal- criminally. He's also faced some civil suits uh, and actually settled 20 civil lawsuits from those accusers. Watson used to play for the Houston Texans. He is now on the Cleveland Browns, uh, where he received a record uh contract uh, in terms of guaranteed money and that payment of that money was structured in such a way that he his first year with the team would be protected from a significant salary loss that may come as a result of a lengthy suspension. Uh, His former team, the Houston Texans, provided Watson with a venue that he used for some of his appointments with masseuses and uh, also a non-disclosure agreement after a woman who is now su- suing him, threatened him, threatened to expose him online. He got that non-disclosure agreement from Brent Nakara, uh, who's a former Secret Service agent and the Texans director of security. Watson, and this, uh, this information is mainly coming from a New York Times article that we will link in the show notes, but Watson shared uh, that or Watson hired 40 different or shared that he hired 40 different therapists across five seasons. But the New York Times investigation revealed that he actually hired 66 over the course of 17 months. Um, so of the 24 sexual misconduct lawsuits uh, that he received, they were accusing him of coercive and lewd sexual behavior to actually alleged sexual assault. There are at least 15 therapists that issued statements of support for Watson at the request of Watson's representation. Uh, And then the Texans also themselves settled 30 claims in the Deshaun Watson case regarding their complicity in some of the issues, but those records have been closed. So that that just gives us a little bit of a a setting for uh, what's taking place. Deshaun Watson has been uh, accused by these masseuses of of sexual misconduct. Uh, And there are quite a few of them. And folks' reaction to this case has been mixed, which for me is a little bit surprising. What do you think, Kyle? So in in light of the reactions to the case, well, I'll say here's why I'm not surprised at the mixed reactions. 
the mixed reactions for me, I think are also a function of the different social locations and identities that people are approaching this from. So there are those who are looking at this and saying, oh, well, this is a clear case of a person with power and status and resources abusing those things in order to get what they want. And this feels like a longstanding pattern and habit, like we've seen this kind of thing before. And let's let's get it settled and sussed out. There are others who are seeing themselves in the accused, uh, whether it's, okay, I see this young Black man who's in a high-profile position uh, that relatively few Black men have been able to achieve, and now is in a position where folk are coming for him or they're hyper-focused on him in a way that they maybe let other people slide or not have to deal with such profound consequences. And it's not even necessarily that they think, oh, well, he did nothing wrong. The, the and this is, this is where stuff gets really murky because we, we aren't dealing with just a, a he said, she said kind of situation. We're dealing with, well, whatever he said versus literal dozens yes. of women who are like, yeah, here's what's up. And so I think that, you know, th so there's the, the myriad of responses versus, you know, how do people see themselves reflected on either the accusers or the accused, uh, how much they relate to their social location and identity, uh, also how much they relate to, uh, you know, to say being sports fans, um, having some kind of investment in how this does or doesn't play out. And I'm reminded that, yes, you know, Watson is a highly paid sports entertainer. He's also, at the end of the day, still a human being. And it doesn't even take a whole lot of power and money and influence for human beings to behave badly and to, to operate in ways that are not in good faith, that are damaging, that are violent to other people. And so... Sadly, I'm not surprised at the variety of reactions. It, to me, is not unlike the, you know, very recent sort of uh, public struggles and accusations around sexual assault with another famous Black entertainer, namely Bill Cosby. And judging from the, the myriad reactions I saw to his cases and even to the sheer number of people coming out against him. I think to myself, like, man, we we really have been here before. Yeah, I I have a hard time with our need to have these clear and established rules that we can never deviate from when we are evaluating uh, these situations. And so there seems to be in. Um, not only the Deshaun Watson case and some of the responses to that, but also in the case of Bill Cosby, also in the case of Robert Kelly, right? Um, yep. That there are folks who are dedicated to the idea that somebody would be trying to take these people down. And so I think the role of celebrity here is one that 
is important for us to recognize and um, our value for um, black men elevating themselves uh, to a position of quote unquote success uh, in this country and that being something that is um, broadly celebrated and um, I think we desire to protect it mm -hmm. and the rule around protecting it stops us from critically evaluating it and so when there comes a moment to question the 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 value or um maybe just the 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 righteousness of the person uh who we have otherwise venerated then we become a little uncomfortable around any kind of uh, um, assessment uh or or maybe negative characterization of that person i think it, it it is important for us to recognize in all of these cases that with that we're particularly talking about matters of sexual assault matters of believing women who in the cases of all three of these men there are many for each one uh and that there's consistency among the stories that are being told as well um and so it it for me maybe surprising wasn't the right word to start with it, it continues to be perplexing that we we keep repeating this cycle and i mean I, I'm aware of, uh, I think it was Hurricane Harvey, maybe that took place. One of the hurricanes that affected the, the Southeast United States uh, that mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson, and it might've been Harvey because he was in Houston, but he, yeah. uh, the Texans first game, home game, I guess, was moved and he gave up his first game check and was giving it to all the concessions workers at um, their stadium to, um make up for the check that they would miss and also help with what they lost and so this person has done this good thing mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they they're not capable of doing terrible things right like we are all uh, a mixture of, of of good and bad right in this case we're we're talking about egregious bad and the the desire to uh, protect these folks from these critical evaluations it just doesn't meet any kind of logical standard. And I think maybe that's the problem I'm trying to apply some significant logic to it when it, it is illogical. Yeah, something is, something's rotten and the math ain't mathing. And in just, just from the sheer number standpoint, it, for me, that has to arouse immediate suspicion because and and here here i think of um the concept uh if i remember uh was it occam's razor so uh, occam's razor is that uh it's this this sort of uh philosophical rule and sometimes it's scientific as well that um when we're thinking through a particular problem um we we should be preferring the 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 simplest theories first as opposed to the the more complex explanations 
of a particular phenomenon. So we're trying to figure out, okay, well, why did this thing happen? Our first thought shouldn't be, hmm, well, what's the most convoluted conspiracy or, you know, <laughs> drawn out way that this could have all unfolded? Like, no, let's let's start with the simple possibilities first and work from there. And what what becomes clear to me is for many, the 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 simplest possibility that, oh, here's somebody who seems to have a serial problem with like sexually inappropriate at the very minimum, sexually inappropriate behavior, coercive behavior, potentially assault. Like that's the simplest explanation. Like, mm, yeah, seems like dude has a problem and is using his resources and connections to feed that problem. And doesn't seem like, from all accounts, like there's no like shame at work here. There's no, oh, you know, not, not even like some copying to, oh, well, you know, mistakes were made. It's like, mm. no, it's just really like, this is kind of blasé way of, oh, you know, I, I wanted to support Black businesses. What? Yeah, yeah. Bruh. We could just take a moment to sit there for a minute. Like, this man was on Instagram reaching out to potential masseuses. And I should say that the New York Times article also details the fact that every masseuse that he worked with was not licensed. So we're talking about a professional athlete that was willing to have unlicensed massage therapists work on his body, quote unquote, work on his body. Right. Um, And that he would coerce folks in these Instagram DMs saying he just wants wanted to support black businesses. There's there's a manipulative intent that is displayed here. Right. Because because for because there you're you're playing into a certain kind of racial affinity. So, oh, of course, here's this very, you know, by many accounts, successful black man who wants to support black business. Like, hey, you know, good for you, you know, doing your part to inject, you know, your capital into the economy. And it's like, bruh, this is not, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't find a reputable black owned massage parlor or massage therapist with whom to develop develop like a consistent practice like because if you needed it that badly i mean never mind you're a professional athlete who has access to professional sports medicine facilities right like you you have like this team has made millions of dollars of investment in you so they're invested in as cynical as it, as it can be they're invested in you as a product not being faulty or defective like your product in this case is your physical prowess. So they are invested in how you maintain that in order to be able to stay on the field, to produce, to win, and to ultimately generate more uh, more money for the franchise. So just on a, on a very basic level, it's like, man, stuff doesn't add up. Like, in fact, it just starts sounding really weird. And so, but but also it's the kind of claim or the kind of statement that also suggests for me a level of awareness about how all 
how this looks. So you're not ignorant to how this could look or the way people might start connecting these dots, which for me begs the question of, so why, what, like, what's, ha what's happening here? And that may be a question to which we never have any satisfying answer. I, I'm sure this man is going to do, people are going to interview him again at some point, especially once, if and when he's playing again, people are going to have questions. Like, like this thing is not going away. Or at the very least, I, I'm hoping this doesn't just go away. But I'm also cynical about the chances of any meaningful reckoning happening in, in light of this, because it, it's pretty clear, okay, the man ain't going to jail. No, no. The criminal charges have been, uh, they're, they're not, they, they haven't been brought against them, so that's not happening. And, and to be clear, I'm not even, like, so much invested in jail as some meaningful way of dealing with this. Like, there is no there's no justice in the sense of undoing what's been done. Yeah. But the question for me is, well, okay, so what do we societally do with these kinds of issues? And how are they reflective of the kinds of casual everyday attitudes and habits of mind that we occupy, both when it comes to dealing with uh, matters of sexual assault, matters of abuse of power, um, and just also just kind of everyday sexual and gender relations. Because to me, it's like, yo, this kind of thing is a very egregious and prominent symptom. But it is indeed a symptom of, yo, this is what our society has the capacity to make room for and allow. And that didn't just happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a clear indication that he was empowered to do uh, this. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel the need just to, to, um, to, to throw an allegedly out there uh, as we discuss this. Um, but at the same time, you know, when, when, when you have a non-disclosure agreement on hand, when you're going to get a massage, that's kind of hard to place in a in a in a neutral position like why why do you need an nda for a massage yeah i'll also i also have some 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 real questions about um what it looks like for us to uh protect our feel good and and and, and bury our heads in the sand so we can uh separate the art from the artist right you want to be able to enjoy whatever your entertainment is so you don't think about the um, what whatever, you know, negative aspects of, of the person you're supporting or the um, the organization you may be supporting uh, are and or what negative consequences come with your feel good. Um, and I think that, again, this this becomes one of those things that's very difficult for us to come up with a hard and fast rule for. Um, for me, you know, when I when I think about R. Kelly's music, it's easy for me not to listen to it uh, because I don't want him, one, he's specifically speaking about the things that he did in his music. 
on top of that, like I don't want any, I don't want to give him money from streams or record sales or anything like that. I don't want him to get any benefit from my support of 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 him at all. Um, with with someone like Deshaun Watson, I, if you're a, if you're a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan or what have you, I understand like having a good quarterback is a a significant opportunity, right? Like Mm -hmm. Cleveland went up when Baker Mayfield got them to the playoffs. And I think they won a playoff game. Um, They did. And so that that's a significant positive. And you have arguably a top 10 quarterback in terms of talent with Deshaun Watson on your squad. So then like, how much are you willing to just accept because you have an opportunity for some feel good. And, and and it's a hard question for us to answer, right? Deshaun Watson, it would be one player on a team of 52 players. I think the rosters are 52. Mm-hmm. But I think what comes with it is Cleveland actively creating a situation for him to be on their team and for them to get no consequences from it. I remember at the at the at the start of this, um there was a there was uh, some messages from the Browns saying that they had extensively investigated like the allegations and spoken to uh, the the accusers. And what you found was the the NFL had basically had discussions with them, asking them about their fault, like what they'd done to put themselves in these situations. And so, like, there, there wasn't an extensive investigation. In fact, the New York Times pieces that have come out with uh, about Deshaun Watson and the alleged uh, or the allegations against him um, have been more and more revelatory as we go. Like, they're the one they're providing the new information. These are not things that were shared act openly. And Deshaun Watson has reportedly given no indication that he did anything wrong or that uh, any of these activities were not consensual. Yeah. So with all of that said, it's like you, you, you see these, these active decisions to either protect um, the organization from consequences uh, of the alleged crimes that took place um, or to, to cover up uh, the, the activities that were alleged by, uh, by Deshaun Watson. All of it feels nasty. So how, how do we tuck it away and just say, I just want to see my team win? And then how far does this idea of protecting our, our feel good extend, right? We just going to let the planet burn to protect our feel good, right? Like we do this in a lot of different ways. And it's, 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 it's difficult because we, we don't have a rule by which to assess it. It's not, it's not a simple ask. And then we, we, we also kind of depend on, on this idea that everybody gets to decide for themselves. And a lot of these things that we, that we do this with a group, group projects, like, if everybody deciding for themselves, nothing gets done. Come here, coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely, you're absolutely right on that. 
if when we leave this up to individual devices, nothing gets done. And in fact, things are often compounded and made much more difficult because there is no agreement. There is no clarity around, well, what are, are our collective standards? Um, one thing that becomes clear to me is it's very difficult to deal meaningfully with these kinds of circumstances when there is no sense of a communal ethic, when there is no sense that, okay, I have a commitment to something and to someone other than just myself and my own. And for many people, the ability to create that distance to say, oh, well, this didn't happen to me or I didn't put myself in that situation. And, and I think about how many times I've heard those kinds of justifications for many things like, well, you know, you shouldn't have been walking there at that time of night or you shouldn't have been wearing X, Y and Z or, you know, you shouldn't have been hanging with those folk or next time you got to do X, Y and Z. And so what, what I often see is. In the in the face of unrelenting power and authority and ability to evade accountability. It's much easier to take target at the people and things that we feel like we can actually reach. So much easier to say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have been doing X, Y, and Z than it is to say, hey, those people in power shouldn't be abusing their power and their position in that way. And I think this is a, this is a kind of prime example in which it's, it's much easier to tell folk what they ought not be doing. It's much easier to kind of preach uh, an, an ethics or an idea of, um, of evasion and avoidance and, you know, personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm, that ethic of personal responsibility always seems to be withdrawn from the very people with the power and authority to make different kinds of choices. And so I think this is, you know, it's part of the thing that I, that I think grows very frustrating for me, this recognition that sometimes it feels like you're fighting a very much uphill, uphill battle. Like, how are you going to make people with millions or billions of dollars with celebrity status with connections you can't even imagine how are you going to hold them accountable for doing terrible things because what becomes clear is a a a culture society committed to its own ability to selectively throw its weight around is not necessarily inclined to lower the boom on folk who operate badly in these ways um it what what it what it does what it does make clear for me then is knowing that I can't necessarily have an impact on given figures. What does it look like to ask how these kinds of events prompt me to to think about my approach to uh to the circles I'm in to the communities I'm in because I can guarantee and, I, and I'm sure I'm sure you can you can corroborate this. When I look around at like people I know or institutions I've been a part of, what I see is that many of the kinds of attitudes that permit these most egregious examples of misconduct are also attitudes that are just very much present in the day-to-day lives of people. Um, and it, and it, it, for me, particularly, I, I start to think about what kinds of, I was certainly taught about how to conduct myself, how to, you know, carry myself with a proper, proper conduct. And 
though in my home um growing up i mean never never mind like talk about sexual misconduct the the sort of party line was don't have sex (laughs) right don't don't like don't do it abstinence yeah get away from all of it but like at the core of it it, for me it, it certainly would have been shunned to um to be sexually coercive or aggressive or abusively dominating in ways that like may not necessarily constitute being criminal but certainly are like yo how is this in any way oriented towards the care of other people yeah yeah i you know if if we get down to it i think the ways that we are socialized to approach um i think romantic relationship doesn't quite encompass the idea i think just general like sexual relationships like the way we are taught about them as as young men it was around this idea of having game and i don't remember who it was but but uh someone some years ago pointed out that the idea of game is to like i guess almost like trick someone into thinking that you are uh some image of uh what they might want and not necessarily to introduce who you are and so if the the game is to introduce yourself with deception then what then comes of that right and so the 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 ways that we've been socialized with the the idea of saying just don't do it at all left us to then have to fill in the blanks and somebody was going to teach us how we could choose to approach initiating the types of interactions that we wanted and mm-hmm. whether it was going to come from from the the media that we consume or the older guys that we spent time with or from us just observing what was happening around us and trying to maybe mimic the behaviors that we uh assume were getting the results that we desired like this was gonna come from somewhere and as someone who graduated high school in 2004 i don't remember the specific language of consent where there's this idea of of seeking out uh, enthusiastic consent. I don't remember that. Now, I certainly didn't uh, think of any kind of like violent coercion or like pushing people to, to engage with me as acceptable. I, I knew and had a clear concept that that was not the correct way to go about doing things. But I think that it created space for there to be maybe blurred consent or situations where uh, I didn't specifically ask. And if, if I learned anything, particularly from the, the, the onset of the Me Too movement and the, the type of um, um, introspection that I think it, it required of myself and men in general, is to go back and evaluate. You should think about the, the, the situations that you've been in. And anytime that you didn't specifically ask for consent, is there's a possibility that you did something to hurt someone. 
that maybe they weren't that interested in it. Maybe it wasn't enthusiastic. And that I think should be uh, an opportunity for us to have some sobering reflection and to specifically push us to have a better um, a better way forward some behaviors mm-hmm. that are are much more clear in terms of how we uh, operate and how we uh, interact with each other and leading from a place of care for each other, right? And so adding this specificity to um, our specific care, but also being able to look around and see when that care is not present. And when the exchange is one of consumption and domination rather than one of love and care. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it occurs to me too that starting from a place of uh, love and care and concern is also different from starting from a place of self-preservation. So it's one thing to kind of ask what would be meaningfully and actively beneficial for another versus just saying, well, okay what keeps me in the clear what keeps me out of harm's way and and i'm and you know and it's sometimes those things are are entangled but like your practice of care can also be on some level about like a particular self-vigilance to say "Mm, let me make sure i'm not doing anything untoward um what what occurs to me and so particularly as it relates to this idea of enthusiastic consent, I'm, I'm reminded that instances of, um, of misconduct, of assault and of violence are not, uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't about mere like attraction or arousal. It's about a particular choice to exert one's power in a way that is power over not power with or power that makes room for the care of others and and i i want to i want to tread carefully with this but I, I think it's a meaningful thing to bring up so by all sort of you know basic external accounts right like just re- reading you know basic basic things on a surface level mike Deshaun Watson is not an ugly dude. Takes care of himself, well-kept, clearly elite athlete. Um, by many accounts, some would say, oh, you know, he's a you know, sharp, handsome guy. A guy who, in theory, given physical comportment, given social status, given financial status, would not have a problem meeting persons who would be enthusiastically and consensually desirous to engage him sexually yeah that doesn't seem he's he's a star he's a star athlete in a world and particularly in a in a nation dominated by the supremacy of of the nfl as a sport and as entertainment so like folk love the sport they love their celebrity heroes and it's like, yo, there's plenty of people who would consensually and enthusiastically be with him. This is not about that. Yeah. 
because because so what, what what's clear to me is this isn't about the possibility of like doing things ethically and in a way that's reasonable and decent it's about the power and desire to do a thing that quite honestly is taboo but in some ways desirable because it's taboo so like sometimes the most desirable thing for people is the thing you're not supposed to have or the thing you you can't have the thing you're told you're not supposed to do that like you want to you want a kid to get into something tell them hey don't touch that don't do that and immediately their curiosity is piqued like oh well, why can't i do that but here like there's something i think even more sinister at work because it's like you're not a naive child saying oh well why can't i do that it's you know why you can't do that because that stuff is abusive it's violent like it's not good and so and and i like i think and i think about this the deshaun why was the case made me think of like a case some years back of um uh sexual sexual assault with a an nfl player darren sharper who, yeah and who like would be it was often talked about frequently even by non-football fans because they were like oh he's this really handsome dude and people were trying to wrap their minds around like well why would this guy situated as he he is need to do this and i'm like this is the point it's not about a need for anything it's about like something is wrong in your mind in your heart and you're acting on that in ways that like, bruh, like it's, it's not logical. It's like, it's, it's very much like there's, a, there's a kind of compulsion here that needs to be reckoned with. But I also think it's once again, symptomatic of a larger cultural compulsion we have to not do things with a regard towards what's actually good for people. But honestly, right. Like there's a kind of, terrible hedonism to this that like the cruelty is part of the point the the dominance or the humiliation is part of the point right like it's it's about getting off on having power yeah. to get away with things mm -hmm. and i think that it that is that is indicated by the uh, the subtle and not so subtle ways that this has been accepted so David Dennis Jr. Uh, wrote a piece that was basically calling out Deshaun Watson's current teammates and saying, well, why have they been so silent about this man now sharing a locker room with them? And so it does beg the question, you know, why are why are these folks OK with his presence in that space and particularly in the context of you know how many folks upon the uh the untimely demise of kobe bryant were going all in on the girl dad you know hashtags mm -hmm. right so when we think about deshaun watson being in this new locker room why is there a willingness to accept his presence to make space for someone who has done these abusive things who has exerted his power in order to by and large get away with the you know dozens of alleged assaults that he that he stands to not really face any big consequences from right 
Um, there is an acceptance of the exertion of this power by the fact that it is not openly rejected, that it is it, that that we're even discussing how many games he should be suspended. It's not should he ever play in the league again? Like, should he be able to be in the position uh, that he's in as he takes an unrepentant stance as well? It's not it's not those questions. It's how long should it be six games? Should it be eight games? Should it be a season? As if any of that would be would represent justice for the the women who now have to live the, the rest of their lives with the experience and the memory and the trauma that comes from dealing with what he has allegedly done and it's 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 that it, it reinforces your point so well because that power is not checked it's it's not it's not rejected in any manner in 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 the general response to it 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 seems that that power is shown the value of that power is on display and 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 it it really does create more i guess space for folks to seek it out Mm, I want to I want to I want to speak to that that question of silence, because I'm I'm reminded, you know, uh, folk often refer to the, you know, NFL, they say NFL stands for not for long. Um, which speaks to the relative precarity of the players and their careers. And that's just on the just on the basis of, you know, competing, staying, staying with a team, not getting cut, not having guaranteed money, like all of these other factors that uh, are particular and specific to the NFL. And what I think about right in these kinds of instances is. Folks who may have some very strong objections. But also find themselves in precarious positions that it's like, yo. What what does it cost me specifically to speak out here and now? Mm-hmm. Like if I if I if I'm if I'm this guy right now and I say this thing, like fam, am I getting cut? Uh, am I like is anybody else gonna sign me? Is my career coming to wrap? And and it's and it's not even about whether you know measuring like the the degree to which that's a reasonable fear or not. But it is, I think, enough to say that sometimes the power or the gravity of how one person moves creates this impact far beyond them, such that all you need is for a whole lot of folk to be afraid to do something or to say something. Yeah. And that, like that, this this is this is where I think wrestling with these things like becomes challenging. Because even even when Man, and and this is it's it's hard for me when I when I hear people talk about, oh well, why did this person wait all this time to say something happened? And it's like, fam, if you if you already recognize that people are inclined to not believe what you have to say, yes, 
chances are you feel like you're better off staying silent and being able to remain anonymous then now have to drag your story out into the public, have to drag your name and face into the public, have to put yourself now in the line of fire by folk who never mind the facts of what you're stating, but people who've already decided, oh, well, you're not believable for X, Y, and Z reason. Or if this really happened, you would have said something immediately. It's like, fam, people all the time, people are silent about all kinds of things all the time. And, and I think this is this is part of what 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 troubles me is not even just the the sheer numbers of persons who came out and said, yo, what he did was not right. But the fact that for all of those people, there are so many more who are never going to say anything about the things that have happened to them, about the persons who have treated them violently, who have uh, abused them. Um, and that's like the thing that for me, regardless of what happens to a Deshaun Watson, what I do know is in everyday lives, people are wrestling with the fear of, you know, what happens if I say something, mm-hmm. am I going to be believed? Am I going to be cared for? Um, are people going to, um, treat me? like a pariah um because what's very clear is you know a deshaun watson has the the power and the influence and the resources to be insulated from and has you know powerful authorities working on his behalf to insulate him from consequences of his behavior um so yeah man it's i don't want to be so wholly negative about it but um what I also what I also recognize, man, is like we have. I mean, I would say even this nation has a has a, a long history of a cultural forgetfulness and complicity mm-hmm. in violence. And this is one more sort of branch of that tree. Um, we as a nation don't do well with accountability. And and the our core challenges are reflected in our institutions. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I I think um, I think it's 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 also important for us to in in recognizing that our our institutions and even the nation in which we live uh, has a history of not doing well with being held accountable and uh, responding to terrible behavior with a an intent to actually heal the injury and and deal with the circumstances that created said injury. It requires us in our in our daily lives as we as we assess these situations to look at ways that we can uh do a better job in our own lives about being good at accountability and i I think particularly in our in the way that we are situated as black men we understand what 
it means to be a victim, but we can also see the areas where we are in position to exert uh, power over others. Um, and so then it, it, because we can understand the ways that we ask folks to be accountable, it means that we then have a, have a clear picture of what accountability looks like. And then we just need to apply that lens to ourselves. In order to, to be about the work of creating the type of world that we'd all like to live in, where folks are, are, are treated well and, and with dignity, are treated as levelly human, yeah? So mm -hmm. um, when, I, when I think about what it requires uh, or what it would require to still be looking for vantage points from which to defend Deshaun Watson at this point and mm -hmm. other celebrities of his ilk who have done these terrible things you know it 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 then ends up in a position of of seeming like it's it's a it's a, a tactic of self-preservation mm -hmm. it's it's a way to avoid having to characterize uh ourselves by the same measure because maybe if i have to acknowledge how wrong this is, then I might then have to adjust my future behaviors, or maybe I'd have to more closely scrutinize some of my past ones. Yeah. To get a, 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 a um, perhaps a, a retelling or a vision of those situations that does not place me in a good light. And I think our commitment to perhaps looking for these more complex or conspiracy theory based accounts or assessments of these situations puts us in position to obscure things enough such that we don't have to ever really internalize uh, or uh, apply any accountability in any direction. And the one thing that I, I can see that, that that does is ensure that we stay right here. Mm -hmm. That nothing changes, that it never gets better, that we continue to see people get caught in the crosshairs of power and folks desire to consume them. Man, and what's what's crazy is every everything you just you just said it it reminds me of um something I read a friend post on social media about how if we keep it one hundred, man, we got groomed for a lot of this lack of care and consent in places like church. Talk about it, like when you when you are are. And and is I mean it's almost feel like that that'd be a whole conversation for another day, right? But thinking about how um, you know places like church, institutions that are reflective of the larger culture in which we're situated, um, and as as I heard him put it, like man, you know, we we created in church a culture of abuse 
and and but rebranded it as like submitting to authority, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And when we use this kind of language, uh, what it reflects is that, okay, well, there are things that are going to happen to you and things you're going to be required to do to which you do not consent. But that's just what you got to do, because that's obedience. And it's like, fam, <laughs> when we spiritualize the absence of consent, Man. no wonder in these other spaces, folk basically kind of develop like they develop a fetish for people being punished. It's like you, 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 you want to see people put in their place. You yeah. want to see people, you know, suffering consequences for, oh, well, that's what you get for, you know, for wearing that or not, you know, not being here, not doing that. And it's like, yo, none of this reflects care. All of it reflects a desire towards domination. And I'm like, man, if we can't learn how to be with and care for each other in ways that are not coercive, that are not about um, lording authority over each other, I'm like, bro, we, we're in a bad way and it's only going to get worse. And to me, the larger state of this nation, this world is reflective of the fact that folk would rather exert power over than to actually ask what's meaningful and good for the whole body of people. Yeah, because I think in, in some ways it allows us to make peace with the power that gets exerted over us. Bruh, yeah. And the ways that we're not actually free. So if you can um, rationalize somebody's uh, ability to do it to you, then you can make sense of it for yourself. And so it just continues to propagate throughout because there are not enough folks that are willing to say, nah, maybe we could just stop. Maybe we could just not do it like this at all. Maybe we should ask why we accept it being this way. And I, you brought up an example as we were discussing uh, this prior to recording. It's just the idea of how this gets functionalized in, in, in church, right? So even with this, the story of David and the characterization of David as being a man after God's own heart, like if we stop there, then the situation where David sends a woman's husband to the front lines to die, mm -hmm. where he actively removes this person from the picture, just gets washed away like nothing happened. The, the situation where he calls for this woman to come to him so that he can have sex with her while he's the king, as if she has any ability to refuse him, which she mm -hmm. does not. There can be no consent in that situation. So David assaults her. She can't say no. So if we can't characterize that correctly, then within the context of our, our religious doctrine, we just say that this is okay. Or we might say that, you know, this was a wrong thing, but we only characterize him in terms of the good things that he's done. And we don't contend with the, the, the terrible parts of what he's done. We even, in, in, the, in the same way that you said, like, well, that, well, this happened because of that, we connect his punishment with 
the child that was conceived in these non-consensual interactions, we connect the death of that child with his punishment. Right. What are we doing? What is this, right? Like, and so in doing that, like, what are the messages that we are sending? What are we teaching folks about how this is supposed to work? About what accountability looks like? I think what we part of what we teach people is that, and this isn't even necessarily intentional, but we teach people that you can make meaning out of just about anything. And you can direct that meaning towards the outcome you wanna see. So if my thought is, hey, you know what? We need to cover for the, the powerful and the gifted and the talented, then that's the meaning we will make. And we will find ways to, to, to shift the blame and to say, well, you know, if you weren't doing X, Y, and Z, then you wouldn't attempt it, this great and powerful person. And it's like, man, th that ain't that ain't it. That ain't it. Um my, my frustration <laughs> grows daily recognizing the casual ways folk are committed to that kind of meaning making. Um, the need to see people in a heroic light, the need to see people as masters, authorities, gurus, as folk who have it figured out, as people who ought to be venerated. And, and I'll maintain that like, yo, that, that kind of mentality is our downfall. We do not need to put people on pedestals. We need to recognize the profound human capacity for great and terrible things and operate accordingly which means i got i need accountability if i'm going to live up to my greatest capacity and capability i need accountability if i'm going to avoid my worst tendencies and habits and yes we are neither defined by the worst or best things we've done but my goodness there are certain stains that are harder to scrub out yep and it's better to just not make that spill so like in the case of uh brother watson i'm like fam it's a it's a, it's a dub for me it's a wrap like i can't in good conscience not even say support someone who has done this kind of wrong but but support someone who is so thoroughly committed to owning no responsibility exactly to giving no acknowledgement to the fact that yo this was unequivocally wrong and whether or not i am punished for it and whatever whatever punishment looks like it means like acknowledgement matters yeah and if if <laughs> There, there's. I think it's a, it's a difficult question as to what happens to uh, folks who have done some of these egregious wrongs within our society, because I think it's 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 it it is it is not our place to accept an apology, 
that for for something that that was not a harm that was not done to us right but in mm-hmm. the assessment like without any kind of communication of any fault of any idea that that this could have been wrong right imagine you know 20 people that you know come to you and say you have done this thing to harm me and you're just like nah no i didn't like it, we, when you put it into this context, so w- without that, it's, there's just there, it's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. Um, I don't I don't think a year suspension is enough. But then again, I don't I don't know how how anyone could possibly. I, I don't know what justice looks like in this context, essentially. I don't, I, I'm not sure. But I can say in the ways that we've accepted these kind of defenses, even if they're not full-throated defenses of, of what he's done, but of like his right to continue in the same vein, without accountability, that even for me is a bridge too far. Absolutely agree. And I don't, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where we, where we go from here. What I do know is our day-to-day commitments and practices have to be reflections of the, the ideals we say we hold. Um, we are we are very much sort of a products or outcomes of our conditioning, but we're also not powerless to do something about that. And so I think as much as we can in every way, there has to be a reconditioning towards like, fam, what, what is it, what does it look like to acknowledge the kinds of power you have and then put that power into service for a common good? And sure, we won't all necessarily agree on what a common good looks like. Um, but man, you know, we gotta start, we gotta start somewhere. We know what it doesn't look like. Precisely. And that's like for me, that's a that's a that's a starting point. Like, let's start with not doing stuff like that. Right. Let's start with asking those hard questions about like what behaviors. Ain't, you know, plenty of things we do. They ain't illegal, but it's like, mm, it's saying this isn't wrong is the wrong question to start with. For me, the question has to be, well, what's actually good? What's beneficial? Mm-hmm. What produces joy? What um, shows and expresses care? Because if that's not the starting point, like, it's like, man, we, we, we can, we can take things to all kinds of logical outcomes. You know, it's like, it's like a little kid who said, you know, puts their finger on, it's like, oh, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. It's like, yeah, but like, you're being annoying and you're mm-hmm. like, stop doing that thing, <laughs> please. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and your, your, your point about the, the temptation to lean on legality mm-hmm. is, is as important here i you know slavery was legal bruh we can't we can't be we can't be going back to legality because it, it it's it's not 
it's it's a thinly veiled defense, right? It's it's very clear that it that's that's not the measure. We know that legality is not the measure. It's it's it has been shown to be legal for black folks to get gunned down in the street. Yeah. And when we then have protests because of that, it's not because that we're, we're not responding to it being, um, it, it's not a question of the legality. It's a question of what was right and wrong, what was clear and what was necessary and what was unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, if we can see it in these contexts, it's not impossible for us to extend that same uh, ability to assess in, in ones that may hit a little closer to home. And so it, it then becomes, becomes very necessary for us to um, be honest about why we are leaning on assessments that we don't actually believe in. Agreed. Agreed. Man, it's a it's a it's a it's a hard struggle, man. But like, I think it's a worthy struggle. And the 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 conversation today, I know it for me, it's raised a whole lot of other points of exploration that um, you know, I'm sure at some point we will we will dig into and tackle. But um, as always, I'm grateful for, you know, what it means to ask hard questions about the things we we see. Like sometimes you, I think the willingness to even be able to say like, hey, this needs to be a conversation. Um, and what it means to make this a public conversation, right. not just a, well, I mean, you know, if you ask me off the record, but like, no, to like, in in the final account, um, I don't think we are we are measured by uh, so much by our success as much as we are by our faithfulness to what we truly uh, believe and say we're about. So yeah, I may not ever be able to hold you know certain figures accountable for the for the wrongs that they do, but I can be accountable to a, a faithfulness to the tenets, to the ideals that I say I hold, to the principles I say I'm about. I think that that to me is the sort of righteous path, the righteous endeavor is, man, you know, we don't stop fighting. We don't fight, start, uh, we don't stop struggling just because things are hard. Word. Yes, sir. Well, that concludes another episode of Black Men Unlearning. Uh, We appreciate your continued support and that you continue to show up with us and we will catch you next time. Take it easy, y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Black Men Unlearning podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Men Unlearning and email us at blackmenunlearning at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts.